Hey there, I'm Tyler Morrison from Paola Adventist Church, where we declare the gospel of freedom to God's sons and daughters every single week because it's absolutely changed our lives. We can't stop, won't stop, and now you're here to listen. So, here we go. So, first, I have to tell you guys, this last week I've hit my head several times, and I had this bump. So then this morning I was shaving my head, because I do that frequently, to keep it looking very oily and smooth for you. (laughs) But I was complaining to Morgan that I really, really hate hitting my head. Like, the, the trunk door on the van, I don't know if you guys have seen our van back here, it's in beautiful shape. It's a great, great vehicle. We call her Cece when we're being nice, and I won't tell you what we call her when we're being mean. It's not fit for the church. Just kidding. It's, it's just, it's dirty. The van is very dirty. It's very old. And here's the thing. The trunk does not lift high enough, so I bend in to put stuff in, and I bend back, and I smack my head, and I get just very angry for like three or four seconds until the pain subsides. And this morning, I was thinking about this little bump on my head and I was remembering all these stories that I don't actually remember but people have told me about myself Uh, when I was four my mom grew up in a house on a lake and there's this hill that goes down from the lake but at the top of the and it's all sand this hill but at the top they've got a little retaining wall and it's maybe as tall as this so just a couple feet and it's stone and then on the other side of that where their house is it's grass and it's level so we would play on this grass all the time and I think I was three maybe two or three, and I was playing on this grass, and I fell off the side, and my grandpa's inside the house, and he can see, and he's, you know, maybe about this far back, and he sees me fall, and I disappear from sight. And he jumped up and started to run out, and as he was coming out of the door to see if I was all right, I stood up, apparently, and I just, I brushed my hands and brushed the sand off, and I kept going. Later that week, uh, my older brother, he's 10 years older than me, his name's Christopher. You guys haven't met him yet. He was chasing me, as big brothers do, and I was just having a blast. So I'm running, and I'm giggling. My older brother's chasing me. I'm giggling, and I look over my shoulder to see, like, where he's at, but I don't slow down at all. And I run face first, full steam, right into a tree. And bounced off, giggled, jumped up, and kept running. Had blood on the side of my face. Now, I wish that I learned my lesson when I was eight I was on my way to a a Supercross event, maybe 10. I was a little older, and I don't know if you guys know what Supercross is, but I was with my dad, my brother, my friends, and I'm having a blast, and I'm looking back over my shoulder. I'm laughing at something somebody did. I think some stranger, like, waved high, and I didn't know who they were. And I look back, and I walked face first into a stop sign. (laughs) It's a little bit ironic. It was rough. I was embarrassed. I had a little bit of blood on my face. Then a couple years later, playing, playing football with my buddies outside of a, a ABC bookstore. And they had little skinny trees, you know, the trunks were like this big around. And I go and we're playing tackle because we feel like we're big enough to play tackle football now. No pads. Somebody throws me the football and I run and I dive to catch it, not looking at where I'm going, face first, right into the tree. So now I got a bloody nose. It's just starting to heal about two weeks later. We're playing football in my best friend's backyard. He's got a big tree. It's about this big around. 
about two, three feet in diameter, and it's got the bark that's very, like, you know, thick and, and rigid. And uh, this time, I was trying to tackle somebody. So I'm running full speed, but I am not good at tackling. And I dove right behind my friend, not noticing this giant tree right behind them. And I dove face first, scratched my whole face all up. And at this point, I've had a best friend since first grade. His name's Leif. Leif would just look at me when these things would happen. And my face was so messed up. My little cousin, she was like five. And she literally started crying when she saw me because I was so scary to her. She didn't know who I was. Oh, that would be awesome. Thank you. So over and over and over, I keep hitting my head or my face on things. I bounce up and I'm okay because my head's probably a little too thick for my own good. Thank you, Uncle Dan. It's a little too thick. But my best friend started using this phrase all the time through high school, college, and to this day where I'll do something like this. And he'll just say, classic Tyler, classic Tyler. That's a classic Tyler move. And so I've really tried to get better at this. I try to keep my head forward when I'm moving forward. And if I look backward, I try to stop. I've really tried to improve on this characteristic of classic Tyler. And uh, I don't know. I don't think it's working very well because I'm still hitting my head on things all the time. My face, I maybe have not dove into a tree. But... It's funny because to a large degree, my whole life, it's this theme that just keeps happening. And I know like we've had a lot of good time with family and I did not grow up as part of the Huffman family. They have adopted me in through marriage to Morgan. So then coming in and hearing, oh, that's classic Melody. Melody has been doing this since we were little. And it's some funny thing that classic Melody, classic Dave, classic Maddie, classic Morgan, you know them from life, and there's things about people, who they are, that just don't change. It's just who they are. It's their personality. It's what makes them unique. It's what makes them beautiful, and it's what makes, it's like the, the beautiful tapestry of creation is that God actually, each person is uniquely different, made after his image, but uniquely different, and we have our own classic self. But what's, I guess, a real bummer is that while there were certain things like smashing my face into things and bouncing up that continue and don't change, and I've embraced a lot of it, you know, there's certain things about me that's just, that's, that's who I am. That's classic Tyler. For a long time, there were also things that I really did not want to be satisfied with. So, as I would go through life, there was things that I would like to change. Uh, obviously, smashing my face, I would like to change. But, you know, the enjoying people's company, being an extrovert, and just having a blast with other people, that's something that is just, I mean, I just really enjoy that. And I don't, I, I really love to be a people person. I've really enjoyed being with you guys, as I say almost every week, how grateful we are for just literally everything that you guys have done for us, whether it's the hugs, the welcome, the sharing of things. I know you guys have just blessed us in a lot of ways, and I love that. But yet, there's this thing that would nag, and I would really love to change it. And I really would not like that thing to be lumped into classic Tyler, to not be a part of my identity. So, 
I'll just ask the whole congregation, locate that thing in your own life for a second. What is the thing that you know is like burning? It's burned a hole in the back of your mind, maybe. Or for the majority of your life, you have built up a lot of habits and built up a lot of uh, fortitude against this thing that you really don't want to be a part of you. And whatever that is, you can, you can relate now with what I'm describing. Is as you walk through life, this, oh, this is just who I am, and then this is maybe part of me, but I really don't want it to be. And I think that we can probably locate certain feelings that will unify us in this experience, which is discouragement, maybe. Um, Some people might be more prone to that, but especially condemnation, guilt, or shame, or pain. These are maybe things, the baggage that uh, Uncle Peter's niece wrote about. No baggage on this flight. These are maybe the baggage, the bags that we carry along with us as part of our classic self. Classic Tyler. So, what is that thing? Hold it in your mind. As you hold it in your mind, what what do we do then with this? What does the Bible actually have to say about this? And this is where we get to play one of my favorite games. It's called, Which Adam Is It? Now, if you all have ever seen this or, or been a part of it with Love Reality, then that's great. You can, you can really help me out with this. So which Adam is it? Which Adam is it? We're going to be in Romans chapter 5. If you guys will turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5, I'll write it right here in case you forget. And we're going to be starting in verse 12. Now, I'll try to write big so that everybody can see. But we're going to make a couple of lists. One for Adam 1, one for Adam 2. We'll explain what that is here in a second. And I'll draw a little stick person over here. Bop, bop. Y'all are getting the art for free. Romans chapter 5. We've spent a lot of time in Romans over the last couple months, yeah? So, as a recap, according to Romans 6, what is our relationship to sin? Everybody together, what is our relationship to sin? Dead. We are set free from and dead to sin. Then we are free from the power of sin, which is what? The law. No longer under it, but under grace. And we're free from the penalty of sin, which is what? Death. And we're free from the prison of sin, which is what? Double-mindedness. That's the double. We haven't really maybe said that one as clear. We just talked about it a bunch. The double-mindedness of the prison of sin. So, now we're getting into this new theme that Lens introduced for us a couple weeks ago. Or was that last week? Last week. It's been a, lo- it's been a, a very busy week. We've done a lot of activities in one week. He introduced, can one man make a difference? What do you all think? Yes. Okay. So, and then this was a perfect launch for us into this next part. Verse 12. Therefore, just as one man sin entered the world... And death through sin. Really quick, I've already written it up here, but the one man that we're talking about that sin entered the world, are we all in agreement that that is Adam? Adam, okay. So, Adam here, and then it says that there is a new man. And through this man, it's in verse 15, there is a free gift. And it says this gift is by the one man, Jesus Christ. 
So we have a contrast of two identities. I just realized I should probably turn this a little bit. Is that, can everybody see? I mean, I'm sure Uncle Peter, that's a, that's a ways back for you, but we'll get you some binoculars one of these days. Okay, so we're going to go through this passage and we're going to take out certain characteristics and then locate them under which identity they belong to. Okay, so we got Adam 1 and Adam 2, which is Jesus. All right, so verse 12. Therefore, just as one man, sin entered the world and death through sin. We've got sin and death. Which Adam? One. Okay, so we got sin, death. We'll keep going. The next verse. Verse 13. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. The law. Adam 1. Adam 2. 1. I like this. We've, we've been through this stuff. And if there's confusion on that, we'll be able to talk about it later. Verse 14, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. For a second, just in case, this actually just hit me this week as I was reading through this chapter. Until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. So check this out. In verse 12, in case we aren't sure, the law that it's talking about being for Adam 1, it says sin, death reigned from Adam to Moses. When was the law imputed? At Moses. So it's just building on this same thought that this law that's being talked about is the law that actually came in to increase. That's the next verse. To increase the trespass. And it is the law that was given to Moses. So very specifically, the Ten Commandments and everything else that was given to Moses. Verse 14, we read, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. So we've got a couple words here. Transgression. Adam 1 or Adam 2? All right. Transgression. And then we've got free gift. Free gift. Adam 1 or Adam 2? All right. This is helpful. Okay. Whose sin had not been the same but the free gift. Grace. Adam 1 or Adam 2? All right. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for the judgment which came from the one offense resulted in condemnation. Condemnation. One or two? All right. Can we just be super real for a second? Has anybody ever felt condemned at any point in their life? And we can just do a show of hands or a nod. So the unity here of we, we all, this is what we've read in Romans 3. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? This is where we, we relate. Condemnation. We've all felt it. Has, has anybody here never transgressed? 
Okay, that's good. That's good. Transgressed the law. Everybody here sinned? All right. So all deserving of death? Okay. For if by... Oh, hold up. There's more. But the free gift which came from the many offenses resulted in justification. We're in verse 16. Justification. Adam 1 or 2? All right. Okay, okay. We're just blazing through this. Justification. Now, verse 17, for if by the one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of, what's that word? Righteousness. Adam, one or two? Two. I like this one. All right. That's... Now, the gift of righteousness will reign in life. Life, one or two? Two. All right. This is good. This is good. Don't lose, don't lose steam with me. So now, therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so the one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Disobedience and obedience. Disobedience, which one? Obedience, which one? Okay. Anybody relate with disobedience? And obedience. All right. So we're free from sin. We're dead to sin. Are we the righteousness of God by faith in Jesus? Amen. Amen. So there's identifying right here. I, I cannot, am I justified by faith in Christ Jesus? Hallelujah. Do I live under grace? Absolutely. Do I have life? By faith in Jesus, we have life. And have we received a free gift? Amen. Now, do I still feel condemnation sometimes? Do I still transgress? Sin. Death. Disobedience. So there's a bit of double, at least for me, and this is where I'm going to just press and, and ask some, some real pointed questions. We're going to wrap this up, verses 20 and 21. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. So we know here why this law came in. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen? That's some good news. Although it's not that good news if we're still both. It's not that good of news if we're still both people. Like, we have, this is what we talked about a few weeks ago. Are we a house divided? As an individual, are you a house divided? As a church, are we a house divided? The only way for a church to be a house divided is if the individuals within the church are divided amongst themselves. How would we be divided amongst ourselves? If we look at this and we think that I am simultaneously somehow both still old Tyler, Adam 1, and I identify with this laundry list of things that he introduced into the world, and simultaneously I am this by faith in Jesus. I can't be both things. That would be to still be in this prison of sin, which is double-mindedness. So what makes this very easy? 
what makes this very easy is that why would it be that as Christians we continue to exist under this identity? It's because as Christians, when we still have a relationship to the law, the law does what it needs to do. It increases the trespass. This is something really cool that I never knew. I just learned this week as well. The word trespass here doesn't actually mean disobeying the law. It means to fall away, especially from being close to something. So I see, I love this. The, that, that's exactly my thought. So the reason why this was significant to me is because it says the one man's trespass led to death, right? Whose trespass? Adam. And the law that it keeps referencing, it's very specific that it's the one introduced at Moses. So then the trespass, did it like it was against maybe the laws of liberty, of righteousness, but there wasn't this written, handed down, imputed law that it keeps referencing. What it was was actually falling away from a place of being close to something. Who was Adam close to? God, walking with him. Like literally right there, God's here, Adam's here walking together and a falling away because of distrust, believing a lie about the character of God falling away. Now introduces death. Why? We've talked about this a lot because life comes through one person. Like it's Jesus. He holds the literal fabric of the universe together. Like by the word that he speaks, we have being. If he speaks something, it's true. It's reality. No matter how we feel or what we think is the reality, if he speaks it, it's true. He can speak light from darkness. Like this is the power of what his words are. So if that's where life comes from, then to distrust our very source of life is to do what? Embrace death. So these are the two realities. And by no fault of our own, we were born into this one. Turn with me to John chapter 3 for a second. You guys know these verses. But I think it's helpful to read them. Just let the word speak for itself. Nicodemus approaches Jesus. John chapter 3. Nicodemus is a teacher of the law. And he comes to Jesus in verse 2 and says, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, how can a man be born when he's old, Nicodemus says. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? I'm very grateful that that is not how this works. Verse 5, Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but can't tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. And then he kind of gives a harsh word to Nicodemus who doesn't, aren't you a teacher of the law? How can you teach and you don't know this stuff? You must be born again. This is why. Because we cannot exist in two identities. Like classic Tyler can no longer be this. That old person needs to die. So we cannot continue to exist. And this is why this verse is so crucial. Romans 6, 14, consider your there, yourselves, therefore, dead to sin. Key words, consider yourselves. What it's asking us to do is the, the Prince of Egypt. Have anybody seen Prince of Egypt? That cartoon for kids about Moses. 
I'm sure there's some theological errors in it, but there's one song that's really, really cool. And I don't know, I think it's called Heaven's Eyes. Heaven's Eyes. But the line, it just keeps going. You must look at your life through heaven's eyes. We must learn to identify ourselves the way that Jesus has identified us. So what the word has spoken over us, we actually believe with our heart and confess with our mouth to be true as well. Now, if I decide to look at my own life under the gaze of the law, what am I going to see? Sin and the ways that I've transgressed or trespassed. And then what am I going to feel? That I'm worthy of death. And I'm going to feel condemned. I'm going to feel shame. Now, as long as I'm looking at myself and my own life under the gaze of the law, this is always going to be the cycle. And I'm going to persist in disobedience. No matter what, if we identify as this person, the one that we were born to originally, all of us were born this way. Not one of us is guiltless in this way. So if I still identify with this, naturally out of my heart will come the actions of who I am. So then we end up this double-minded Christian that identifies with Romans 7. This is what we talked about a couple weeks ago. Romans 7 is not for the believer. Paul says himself that he is not under the law and he's not in the flesh in the chapter before and after. But then in that section, he says, so then I serve with my flesh sin. And he says, under the law, while under the law, sin aroused my flesh to do these sinful passions. So it's very clear, like, if we do identify here and keep positioning ourselves under the law, we keep coming back. We keep coming back to the same slot, like a dog returns to its vomit. So no matter what, as long as we continue to minimize the power of what the cross actually meant for us personally, we inevitably continue and persist in double-minded patterns, living at the expense of others because we don't know anything else. But double-minded is even worse because now we can live over here doing all this and living at others' expense, but we can claim this by faith. So I identify with this, but I say, thank God for his grace and mercy that I can be this someday. And I persist in this, actually, this Adam one life, misrepresenting the character of God and undermining who he is. To a world that's thirsty for love, that's thirsty for peace, that's thirsty for healing, we actually just offer them a sour sponge. Because our life lived is not helpful at all. There's no life in it. All there is in this life lived is death. All there is in this action is transgression, disobedience, and condemnation. It might look good because we spent a lot of time throughout our lives building up habits to put on a polished exterior because when we were 16, 15, 18 in these formative years, we recognized that certain habits were destructive, and so we did everything within our power to suppress them. And maybe we're better at that than others, and so we've actually been able to keep this going. But every sinner must die. There's no ifs, ands, buts, or like, there's no way around it. It's just you have to, and this is actually kind of cool. I didn't mean to do this. But in between, there's a cross. So, this is where we pass from death to life. We identify with Adam 1 no longer. So, the question is are you the same person you were when you were little? 
Are you the same person you were before you met Jesus? If it's this somehow like, well, you know, I've got the sinful nature, that's a lie we'll have to deal with sometime. The sinful nature is actually not anywhere in the Greek. Nobody, Paul didn't know those words. All he knew was flesh and spirit. You don't have an inward problem. In fact, the problem with the gospel presented to most of the world now is that we think that God is still external. The very place that we've been made whole is in, internally. Like, this is where the gospel starts. Colossians 1.27, the verse that I quote every week, and I don't think I'll stop, is this is the mystery of the gospel revealed to you. Jesus Christ in you. So we're no longer walking, searching for these sanctuaries where maybe he'll meet us. We're no longer having to climb mountains in order to meet God in a burning bush. We actually have him in our hearts all the time. And this is why, this is why God, whose love is an all-consuming fire, the bush doesn't burn up. Y'all recognize, this is wild. The bush doesn't burn up. Why? Because the place you are standing is holy ground. So my question for us as believers is, are you holy? If you are holy and the Spirit of God is within you, then when God comes full of this all-consuming fire, right? It's just who he is. It's not actually destructive except for to anything that's dead. So now from the inside out, we are transformed and we receive a new body in the twinkling of an eye. That's the only thing we're looking forward to. The very last verse of Hebrews 9 says that he will return again, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Save them from what? Look at 2020. How many things do we need saving from? Like, there's a lot. But as far as eternal, we're good. By faith in Jesus. This is the only way to life. So, we flip the page to Romans 6. We read all of Romans 5 now. And look at what the very next thing Paul says is in this letter. What should we say then? Now that we are here and this is our identity, and no matter what we do, good or bad, this is the free gift. That's, that's what makes it a gift. If there's something good to do to keep it or bad to do to lose it, then that would mean it's not really a gift. It's a, what is the word? Wage, right? I like Scott posted that on Facebook the other day, and I like it a lot. It's a wage. It now becomes some type of thing that even though I didn't do anything to earn it, I do need to do something to keep it. And those of you who are parents and have given your kids gifts, how many times do you attach after Christmas to your gift a bunch of conditions, and as soon as they break the conditions, you take it back? I know I've definitely had that happen in my life sometimes, where my parents were like, you can have this, but if, I, you know, if I see it out in the driveway, I'm throwing it in the backyard. Like, in the tra- like there's, there's times. But when it comes to the good gifts... Are you going to give a gift with the expectation of if they trample it, you're going to take it back? Now, at the same time, if you give your kids a gift and they trample it themselves, like let's say I got a bike once and my dad told me I really need to take care of this. Better yet, we've been given a, a, a car to use and we need to take good care of it. We're on the ocean here in Hawaii there's a lot of salty air that comes in. And they say, you got to wash this thing every day. Now, if I don't, what's going to happen to the car? What's it? Rust. And if it rusts bad enough, what's going to happen to its functionality? But the giver of the gift is not taking it back. Do you see the difference? So this isn't cheap grace where you just take this and you're like, well, I'm here, so I'm good. I'm going to live however I want. No, no, no. The righteousness of God is actually active. 
So if we believe that we're both, we actually give ourselves permission to continue living this way and think that it's okay because we're saved by grace. No, by no means. This is what he says, verse 1. So do we continue in sin so that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we should also walk in newness of life. So, how does this happen? One is the word itself actually pricks the heart. Like, or in some cases, it hardens the heart. And then in other times, it might get hardened to the point of shattering, and then the heart breaks. And this is something that we see in the Old Testament as well as the New. When somebody is presented with truth, and they are not living from truth, it rubs something wrong, and they don't like the way that it feels. Now, if they're humble and they don't like the way that it feels, then as they are humble and receive this, their hearts break and they start crying. We see this in, I think, Acts 2, where Peter and the disciples receive the Holy Spirit and go out and preach, and everybody receives this truth that they put the Son of God to death. And they're crying and they're weeping and they feel horrible and they say, what do we do? And they say, repent and be baptized. It's not repent and be baptized in order so that you're saved. That's how maybe it would end up being that the only way I'm able to continue here is if y'all get baptized and it becomes a stat that actually qualifies me as whether or not I can minister the gospel to people is how many baptisms I get. I can use fear and go out and tell people that they're going to burn in hell if they don't get baptized and probably get some baptisms. But that's not the motivation. The motivation is that God has forgiven us. The motivation is that God has died so that we can bury our old self and receive a new life. It's not baptizing so that I can. It's baptizing because I was. Does that make sense? So because this truth I believe to be true, if I have not been baptized then just, I don't fully understand it if I'm being honest with you guys. What I do know is that Jesus said to do it. That's it. Jesus said to do it. You believe this to be true and you haven't been baptized, get baptized. That's it. And that's good enough. But if you have been baptized, now let me speak to those of you who have been baptized. Are you Adam 1 or Adam 2? Adam 2. So then if you feel condemned, what does that mean? That's Adam 1. So does that mean that you now have actually gone back through the grave and are now living as an old person again? Or does it mean that you forgot who you were and faith was missing? Peter says, we return to our patterns of former ignorance. So the Proverbs 24, 16 says, the righteous man falls seven times and gets up again the wicked just falls and stays down but we are not identified by our falls we are not identified by our successes we are not identified by our failures we are identified by jesus christ one victory through his resurrection so then what does this sound like for those of us who believe this to be true and we actually confess with our mouths we are not who we used to be we are a new creation and we're walking, but then we stumble. What it sounds like is just straight up, just being honest with God. 
Like, I did, like, that is wrong. And I know that I did it. Now, has God taken back the gift? So if I still have it, what do I say? I say, thank you that I'm still covered. Thank you that that's not who I am. Thank you that I've been made a new person and the desire of my heart is no longer contrary to your law. In fact, now I walk by the Spirit and I actually live in a more beautiful version than what the law could ever describe. The law testified of the righteousness of God. This is, this is, this is the time, Uncle Dan, we can use the analogy. So, I'm just going to write a few words. We've got Morgan's family here. This is the last, last illustration, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. Morgan's family, what are some words that you would use to describe Morgan? <laughs> Maddie's like, all the jokes are like ready to fly out of her mouth. She's like reeling them back. Some facts about Morgan throughout life. Energetic. Energetic. Happy. Happy. Loving. Loving. Strong-willed. Strong and protective. Now, how does she look? Beautiful. She's beautiful. she got brown hair. Are all of these things true about Morgan? Yes. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> as far as we know, right? So all of these things are true about Morgan. And we could write her name at the top here. And you know what? Because I'm such a good artist, let me put some hair on this so that we know it's her. All these, these things are true about Morgan. She's got brown hair. It's curly. She's energetic. Now, Morgan, would you just be so kind? Please, please help. Just stand up. Right? You don't have to go anywhere. But Morgan right here, as you guys look at her, are any of those things not true? I mean, you wouldn't really know some of the descriptors. But which is more beautiful, this or the words? This. And we can do this about any one of you. How many of you guys with kids or family members would rather write a letter or some bullet points about who they are and say, mm, it's nice to spend the holidays with them, or have them actually be with you in person? Like, this is the difference between being under the law and living by the Spirit. The difference is, this is the law. It's the written character of God. It's the righteousness of God external to us. But what we have is the literal living spirit of God now living within us. And because we have passed from death into life by faith in Jesus, now we identify solely by what the spirit testifies. So how do you view yourself? You must look at your life through heaven's eyes. So you got to learn, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. For too long, and this is what 2,000 years of Satan getting control of the wheel of the Christian church and projecting his character onto the character of God, and we're still coming out of that. As a result, there's still double-mindedness that persists in the lives of well-meaning, sincere Christians who don't know that this is true. That was me. I didn't know that I wasn't both of these things at once. I didn't know that you weren't both of these things at once. So I treated others as such. And you were only as good as how well you were doing. So if I'm able to 
suppress my sinful impulses and you're not, shame on you. You need to try harder. Get the right tools. But if it's identifying with what Jesus Christ has said over me that actually set me free, and now I recognize that I am solely no longer this person, but Adam too, that I am a new creation and it's no longer I who live, but Jesus lives in me, then I can't help but see you the same way. And this is why Jesus, hanging on the cross, said, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. The world is not the sum of their actions. They're the sum of the deception that they believed. So who's going to speak the truth to them? Who's going to set them free? Jesus Christ in you. Galatians 2.20 is the verse we're going to close on. Galatians 2.20. And then, Lens, if you wouldn't mind passing out the study guide for everybody to take home. Galatians 2.20. Actually, I'm going to start in verse 17. 18, sorry. For if I build again, so we're in Galatians 2.18. If I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. What is the thing destroyed? It's our old self. Adam 1 was put to death at the cross. So now if I go back and I identify with the thing that is now dead, I make myself a transgressor. This is, this is John 3, 17. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Anybody who doesn't believe is condemned already. This is why. Anybody who doesn't believe exists in this realm of condemnation, under the law, sinning, disobeying, unto death. Verse 19. I threw the law, and this is why the law is holy, righteous, and good, because it actually leads us to the Father. I threw the law, died to the law, that I might live to God. Verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. So it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I don't set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness came through the law, then Christ died in vain. We are righteous by faith in Jesus. And this is an active, living thing, and it has liberated us from who we used to be. So, the question is, are you the same person you used to be? No. You are a new creation. I want to give a second that thing that you placed in your mind at the beginning of the sermon. If this is something that you've been wrestling with on your own strength, thinking that this is something that you actually need to suppress, let's just put that lie to death and just put it to death, whatever that thing is. How do we put it to death? This actually just hit me this morning. The Bible says it. How do we put to death the deeds of the flesh? How do we put to death these things that seem to linger as part of us? Proverbs says that in the tongue is the power of life and death. And if we believe with our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ and Lord will be saved. James 3 says that the tongue is like a rudder of a, a boat. Uncle Dan took a sailing this week. And that little rudder doesn't take a whole lot of effort, and it has us moving. 
It was, that was literally the thing that popped into my head. The tongue has the power of life and death. What do you speak about yourself? Speak the word of faith. Even as you're still getting up from stumbling, speak the word of faith. Father, I thank you that I am clean, that I'm pure, that I'm holy, that I'm righteous. Not because of what I've done, because if it was that, I'd make a huge mess of things, but because of what you've done. And I believe that that is who I am, that your revelation is the true revelation of my character in you. Because the old me is dead. And I don't want to fight with him anymore. I just want to let him be. And I just want to be surrendered to you. And with my tongue, I confess the truth. I put to death the deeds of the flesh. I've got no desire to carry that around. And as a church, as the body of Christ, collectively, this is how we encourage one another. So that thing, if it's not something that you look at as being not you anymore, then confess that with your mouth, put it to death, rise up like little three-year-old Tyler with the sand on his hands, like brush it off and recognize, I'm good. I'm good, not because of me, but by faith in Jesus, I have received a free gift and it is really, really, really dope. It's good news. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this free gift that we have received in you. I thank you for what this church looks like. A revelation and a, and a literal revealing of your character to Haula, to this island, to the world. A light on a hill that can't be hidden. Like John 5 or 4 says, as you are, so are we in this world. And I thank you that we can identify solely with your righteousness and not our failures. And that as we see fruits of our righteousness, we still don't take credit for them, but we actually give you glory because we know it's not us living, but you living in us. And I thank you for the way that that reconciliation that we have found in you, now by the power of Jesus' name, is a reconciliation that we can extend to the world. Because this is too good, the world is too hungry, they're too, too broken and sad for us not to give them this thing that we've received. And so right now I pray boldness and confidence and peace, grace in the name of Jesus over everybody under the sound of my voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, it's Tyler again, and I just wanted to say thanks for listening. If you learned something or were challenged and encouraged, uh, make sure to subscribe and share this with someone else. We'd love for you to join us for one of our Saturday morning services. And if you'd like more material on today's topic, email us at haulasda at gmail.com.